talk about what matters today. Turn to the person next to you and say, today is good. You know, there's a new minister and he went to a town, he just took over a church, and he just was just excited to do it. And he went visiting some members that were in his church. And so he went to this one house, and a, a gentleman and a lady come out, and they said, oh, pastor, we're so glad that you could come and visit. He said, great. Three dogs come out, and they're bigger dogs, and, and uh, they're very friendly. They're very friendly dogs. And he said, oh, those are nice dogs, but he wasn't real sure of them, you know, and and so uh, one of them was older, a big German shepherd. He was older. And so the lady called them by name. She said, now, hey, boys, down. Rolex, Timex, you stay down. Now, Fossil, you stay over here. And he goes, boy, those are weird names for dogs. She said, uh, duh, they're watchdogs. I'll be here all week. <laughs> all right. You're like, why did I come to hear that, that joke? Okay, we're going to talk about today. Today matters. If I was to ask you, if I, you know, could you describe your life? Is this a success? Is it, has it not been so successful? Or is it, I mean, it's in the making. We're all in the making. Could we all say we're on our way somewhere? You know, that's like losing something. I'd ask my mom, Mom, I can't find it. And she said, it must be somewhere. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Miyagi. We know that somewhere, you know. We know, but I mean, we're all on a journey. We're all going somewhere, and so we're excited about where we're going if we're making good decisions, and that happens with what we do today. So I want to talk to you about that. So, you know, if you're looking at that, does it matter what you do today? Tomorrow seems a long way away, doesn't it? When I was young, and many of you, if you're older or even if you're younger, I don't have to worry about that now. I'm really young. You know, we never think we're going to get old. We never think... We need to save any money. How many wish you would have saved 5 or $10 a week since you got a job? Help me, Jesus. Man, what we could do with that? You know, before you never even cared about it. We would take money. You would, whoo would you not blow money? I would blow money. And somebody would say, well, it's going to cost whatever. I didn't care because I had the money. I wasn't saving it. I just had to spend it. It was in my pocket. So what we do today the way that we live our life, preparing for tomorrow. So what are you getting ready for? What are you preparing for? Success or, or failure? A wise person said, you can pay now and play later, or you can play now and pay later. But either way, you're going to pay. The idea to work up front so you can enjoy later, there is a, a, a gentleman that is a believer that helps people get out of debt as well. And one of his sayings is this, live, live now like no one else, so later you can live like no one else. And I understand, we've, we've all grown up, when I grew up, the story of the grasshopper, remember that, and the ant. The grasshopper wanted to play all day, the ant was busy getting ready because winter was coming. And he was getting ready, and the grasshopper's like, he didn't want any part of that, he was too much time ready to play, let's just do that, I'll worry about that later. But time is our most precious commodity. We have time, nothing but time, some people say. What's the big hurry? Time, time, time. Would you rather save time or save money? Now, if I ask that question, I'm not asking for a raise of hands. Some people would say, money. Let me just say some things real quick. Money mistakes can be corrected. If you blew your money or you didn't save, you can start saving or you could change. Have you ever withdrawn, overdrawn your account? Anybody ever write a bad check? Boom, boom, boom. And then the bank says, thank you, that'll be $35. And then you pay for whatever you have to write again, plus that wonderful mistake. But it can be corrected. But time is different, because once time is gone, it's gone. 
You cannot correct it. You cannot go back. Some of us in this building today are saying, I wish I would have lived my life different. I wish I would have did this different. I get it, man. I wish I would have too. I made mistakes along the way. I, I have too. But our priorities determine how we spend our time because time is precious. You'll do what you feel is important. I mean, seriously, if it's important to you, you'll make time for it. Is that not true? That is how we kind of work. Let's clear things up. Just to, Let's get some perspective on this real quick. So let's talking about time, the value of it. The value of one year, ask a student who failed the final exam. The value of one month, ask the mother of a premature baby. One week, ask the editor of a weekly magazine or blog. One day, ask the wage earner with six kids. One hour, ask the couple waiting for the marriage service to start. One minute, ask the person who just missed their plane. One second, ask the person who lived through the accident. One millisecond, ask the Olympian silver medalist. You see, time, you can't get it back. Once it's gone, it's gone. We have to change our priorities. We have to start saying, okay, God, let me, what is it really important? What do I need to be doing? What should I be looking at or doing? I've heard this so many times. I'll get my life right before the end. I'm sure the grasshopper thought that. But as you know, winter came and he was freezing and starving out in the cold because he never did take the time. But when we start saying, okay, if we do something that matters today and we get our life on track with, with God, it causes good things to happen in our life. Did you know good decisions cause good things? Bad decisions, and we all know, cause bad things. And so, you know, it doesn't mean that you can never make a bad decision. We're all human. I get that. But I would like to make more good ones than bad ones. When we walk with intention, in other words, I mean to do it. You know, if I, if I go to my garage to work out, I plan on working out. I mean to work out. I purpose to work out. It helps when I have a purpose because it gives me confidence. Because I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. I know the plan. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's a plan. God's got a plan. You're going to live your life on purpose, for purpose. I mean, he's got something for you. Life doesn't just have to be existing. Have you ever taken a test and if you studied, you knew, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do good on this test because I studied. And then you get the test and you're like, yes, and you know that you passed it. You know you got a good score on it. That's a great feeling of confidence to walk in. I had a teacher in high school that he just loved to do pop quizzes. I hate pop quizzes. You know, he'd sit there, you're, you know, you're just thinking you're going to get ready, and he goes, okay, everybody turn your paper over. <laughs> I'd like to turn you over. <laughs> We're going to have a pop quiz. I don't want a pop quiz. We didn't get any choice. But you know what it did? It did show me what I didn't know or what I needed to study. Because sometimes we look at life different. We think everything is against us. And really, if we'd look at it a different way, what is against us would show you what you need to fix. You know, if you've got a leak, where the leak is, that just shows you where, what, what needs to be fixed. Instead of, oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's, it's not good. Fix the leak. I like knowing confidence 
what the kingdom says. Laws that are in place, that if I follow those laws, I do what they say, the results are great. You know, you can't change laws. I can't change gravity. I can tell you. I proved it when I was young. I thought, true story, those that are guests, you're going to wonder, what did I get myself into? I thought if I believed hard enough, I could fly. Now, at 21 years old, I was not 21, just telling you. I was a little kid. I was probably, what, mom, nine, probably nine years old. I thought I bought into the whole Superman cape thing because you got to have a cape. I mean, obviously, you can't fly without a cape. Of course, if you watch some of the, you don't have to have a cape. But look, at you're all looking at me. I thought you wouldn't catch that, but maybe you did. <laughs> but I, I got a towel. I put it on. We had 15 steps. My Uncle John's here. He'll love this. I got up to step 15, and I said, I, I can fly. I'm going to dive. And, and at the bottom of the steps was a mirror, and if you went to the right, you'd, the kitchen was there. If you went to the left was the dining room. There was the door that went outside. I decided I didn't want to go to the right because I'd have to pull up. <laughs> Once you're really getting your flight on, man, you don't want to pull up. I would go to the left because then I could go around the dining room table, out the screen door, and around the neighborhood. You laugh. But this happened. And I said, I stood up on that 15 step and I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to stand here till I am totally believing I got this. And I remember looking down and I'm like, yep. And I dove. It was about step six that I realized I really wasn't flying at all. I was flying, bouncing down the steps. And I, I got beat up all the way down. And I remember looking at my mom, and my mom is like, are you okay? I look at my dad, and my dad is like, what are you doing? <laughs> I had a big mark on my chin where I'd kiss probably step eight. Who knows? I don't know. But you can't change kingdom laws. You can't change laws that are already here. Gravity, no matter what you think, gravity's going to be gravity. You can say, I don't believe in gravity. Good luck with that. I felt that way. It didn't work. Gravity still works. You have to sub over gravity with the law of lift. Supersede that. You have to law of lift. Why can a million-pound plane fly? Law of lift. But there are laws that help that happen. So knowing the kingdom that God put in place, I know my covenant says I'll be taken care of. Because he put things in place for me. When I invest in what I'm doing today, when I look at what I'm doing today, it's going to help my tomorrow. The decisions I make today are going to affect what I do tomorrow. I'm better prepared to face, you know, how many of life's going to come at you no matter who you are? It doesn't matter. You know, well, if you're born again, you're never going to, you know, you're still going to have bad days. You're still going to have tough times. Life's going to come at you, but how you handle those, how you choose and what you do with that. The decisions. I can be in a better place because I can make better decisions if I am aware and I know they bring good fruit. A lot of people live with God on their bucket list. I'm just going to do God before I die. I'm going to have that last 10 seconds to... God, forgive me for everything I've done wrong, and I'm just going to enter heaven. It could happen. I wouldn't want to do it that way, because I know some people that I don't know if they had that time. You see, this is what happens. We, a lot of times, don't lead our lives. We just accept them. 
Well, this is my lot in life. This is how I'm going to be. My dad was this way. My grandpa was this way. And his dad before him was this way. So it's just always going to be this way. That's not how it has to be. We need to lead our lives instead of just accept. That's a big difference. Listen to this. There's people that live life reactive. In other words, they just react to everything that happens. And there's people that live life proactive. They are they are seeing some things. If I do this, this will happen. If, I'm, if I do this, this will happen. I was just talking to my buddy down here, Katie's uh, fiance, Brian, and we were talking about just preparing. If I want to, to do some things right, I would prepare, and I would. Pre- so then I know I'm, I'm, I'm good because I've already made, come on, I've made ways for that to happen. If I was eating, I've prepared some food, and I know I'm going to eat good because if you invest in 75 Twinkies a day, you probably won't have the greatest figure. I'm down to 42. No, I, don't. I haven't had a Twinkie in a long time. But you know what I'm saying. Life is not a dress rehearsal. You don't get a second chance to relive today. Proactive people focus life on preparing. Let me get this worked out. My wife is great with numbers. She's great with budgets. She's great with lists. Anybody else in here good with lists? Kim loves lists. She'll make a list. We go on vacation. Here's the things we need to bring. Here's the things we need to do before we go. She wants to do anything in the house. Here's what needs to be done. Here's the list. She is a list maker. And you must, Brett, are you a list maker? Don't have to. Married one. Because how many knows if you married somebody, your list ain't going to match theirs, probably. She'll say, this is important. I'm like, that doesn't seem too important to me. Oh, it is important. Yes, it is, dear. That's important. She, she loves lists, but it keeps her, you know what? It brings security because she is working at what God is telling her to do. She is getting things checked off. What can make my day, my life, my future? What am I believing for? What am I believing? I mean, could this be the year that things start to change? Things start to hinge? I mean, I've talked about it for years or whatever. What if today was the day you made the decision? If today mattered enough. I'm telling you right now, it's the best decision you could ever make to follow Jesus because Jesus brought her. And so I, I can't thank God enough for bringing her. And because he brought her, we have all of our children. That's an amazing thing to me. You're like, well, not to me. <laughs> if I don't make disciplines with my decision then it will make me miserable. So if I could give you a recipe for success, I'm going to give you two things, decisions and discipline. They both start with D. It's easy to remember. If I make some right decisions, then I have to put some things in in force to make those decisions stick. How many are morning people? How many are not morning people? How many like your bed? You know, Mark Lowry, the Christian comedian, said he's going to, he calls his bed the Word. So if somebody says, Mark, could you come over and help me? He said, I can't. I'm in the Word. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I get it. We're all different kinds of people. But, you know, sometimes you, you make changes that will change how you are now. And let me give you a quick example. My wife, when we got married, was never really a morning person. She, she loves sleep, food, and warmth. All women can relate to those three things. <laughs> Men, sometimes yes, sometimes no. I mean, food, yes. 
But one of the things is not on the list that we like. Oh, you guys, don't look at me like that. <laughs> Stop it. You're all looking at me. Oh, no. So what I'm saying is she decided I want to be a morning person. I want to because my day is starting to take over her, and she wanted to take her day. In other words, she wanted to plan her day instead of feeling like she was always running behind. So she started with the decision, I'm going to start getting up. And in the beginning, and she can tell you, it wasn't so easy. She set the alarm just to hit the alarm. She set it, and it'd go off. She'd hit it like 15 times. And she would set it before I would get up. And I'd get, and I would be like, please, turn off the alarm, or set it, or get up, or something. But then, you know, then it got to the point where now she just, the alarm goes off. She gets up. She's in charge of her day. But she had to put some discipline with that decision and now I can't say that. Before I used to say, you are not a morning person. And I can't tell her that anymore because now she's up every morning. She's gotten her body used to it because of the discipline of the decision she made. Matthew 10, 38 says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. In that same book, just a little later at 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. You see, we've got to put our faith in action, walking out what you believe, instead of just talking about it. There's a lot of people that talk a good Christian, but when there is heat on the situation or they're going through something, that's when it comes out, isn't it? That's when you find out where you really are. And I'm just saying, certainly not perfect. Her and I were talking just yesterday or the, two days ago, maybe, I don't know, we were in our car, and, and she said to me, she said, well, we found out where our faith was because we were just talking, and we found out where we were at. How many times does Jesus say something where he locates somebody's faith? Your faith has made you whole because of your faith. And, you know, so then out of our mouth, the Bible says life and death is in your mouth. It made us realize, wait a second, maybe we need to readjust, make a decision, put some discipline behind that decision and say, okay, God, let me... Let me get that a little bit under control here because I didn't really realize I was kind of vague on that. We all know there's 24 hours in every day. James 2.26 says, The body is dead without breath, so faith is dead without good works. So we've got to put some action here. Time is the equal opportunity employer, but the truth is we, all, we don't all use or treat time equally. If I was to give each of you a block of marble... Or let's just say a piece of wood and say, okay, that's what we, most of us would be like, here you go, you can have it back. <laughs> or it would look just like that, but if I was to give it to a sculptor or a wood carver, depending on whatever it was, you know what he would do? He would look at that and he would see something in it and he would envision what that would look like if he'd carve it out. And then he would work at chipping it away until he got what he saw in here what he saw out here. So let me put it to this. If you remember the Karate Kid, remember Daniel and Mr. Miyagi and the, what are those trees called? Bonsai. Yeah, see, you're with me. Bonsai. Oh, thank you, Daniel-san. Bonsai. And Daniel's like, I want to do that. And he says, I don't know how to do that. And Miyagi says, close eye. And so he does, and he says, picture tree. And so he does, and he says, see nothing but tree. And so he does, now open eye, and he does, and he hands him these clippers, he says, now make tree like picture, 
And although that is a simple illustration, but that's kind of like what God does. We believe we receive when we pray. We picture it in our mind. You, you want to picture yourself healthy. Do you picture yourself? If you got an ailment, what would it be like to not have the ailment? Do you picture yourself if you've got something like, I'm, you know, I'm, I can't move my arm or I can't do this? What would picture yourself moving your arm with no problem? There is power in the kingdom, but we have to understand how to tap in it. Now, you might be saying, now, Brett, I, I don't want any of this mental. But do you know your mind and your imagination is part of how you get your faith in working? So you have to start envisioning. Do you see yourself successful? Do you see yourself doing what God's wanting you to do? Do you see yourself having fun? I believe that God wants us to do with our lives living for him, doing it on purpose. Now, if you make a decision to follow Jesus today, I'm going to give you that opportunity. You know, it's Easter, and that's important because it's the most important decision you'll make. And I want to give you some things that will help you make that decision work. Because I can guarantee your tomorrows will be better than they are today if I can help you with some things that you can do to concrete that decision, to put it in a place where you're going to take care of that. You're going, you've already decided, so you're going to now manage it. Okay? Again, I'm not saying you're not going to ever have a bad day, because you will. But it's what you do with it, and it's, and it's how you look at it. It's because of whose you are, and you don't handle them alone anymore. What if you're saying, Brett, you know what? I'm a good person. I don't really want to make a decision like that. I'm a good person. After all, I'm good. I mean, I don't do anything really wrong. You know, I give every once in a while. You know, I've been watching TV, and they have saved the dogs, and they have that music, and, you know, I give to that. Those are the longest commercials in the aren't they? It's like, please. Because, I mean, who doesn't like a cute little puppy? But uh, I get it. But, you know... You might say, well, I think I'm okay. Let me just say, this is how, this is the scripture of this church. This is when God told me to start this church. This is the scripture he gave me, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You can say whatever you want. You can say it doesn't work. My wife said, you know, you can talk about Muhammad. You can talk about Buddha. You can talk about anybody you want. Fact is, there's only one way to get to heaven, and it's, it's Jesus. But we, we've not done this really well as believers. We've tried to force feed people. We've tried to do all, and you know, this is a heart choice. In other words, this is one you must choose, and that you make it because you want to make it. Meaning you know you're not perfect, meaning you know what your past is like, meaning, you know, you know exactly what your future is. Looks like, if you pick Jesus, at least it's going to get better. But I cannot make you make this decision. It must be made by each individual. And by not choosing, you choose. Because there's really only two sides. There's God's and there's the other. And you can't get to heaven by not choosing. And I have people tell me, and you've probably heard it, well, if God is so loving, he wouldn't send anybody to hell. No, he, he wouldn't. And he won't. But if you don't choose, you'll do it yourself because it is a, it's a heart choice. L let me say this. We stood up before the minister and said, I do. She could have said, I don't. 
But she didn't. She said, I do. Well, what's my point? It had to be her choice. So 35, 6, 36. <laughs> Just make sure you knew, honey. <laughs> Thanks for coming. So 36 years later, she still chooses. She still chooses to stay with the man. Okay, so that's a good thing. I mean, for me, that's good. But what I'm saying is it is a heart choice. She has said yes to that and says, you know what? You are who God picked for me. And she knows she is who God picked for me. But I like that decision. And we don't make decisions based on emotion because America, and we do that a lot. I love you. I and then I don't love you anymore. I love this one. I love, you know what I'm saying? We don't do emotional decisions. We do decisions because they're right. So when you make a decision, you don't make it based on emotion because you could like somebody and later you could be mad as snot at them. And then you're not happy with them. And then oh, I'm never going to talking to you and, you know, whatever. But we make decisions because they're based on truth and they're right. You see, if we make good decisions, it seems crazy, but it does create a better life. It creates better health. It creates better everything. And it seems that you would think, quit making bad choices because it creates bad choices in your life. Hardships. And people will make, continue to make poor decisions. And I, you know, sometimes it's just... But again, good choices bring good things, bad choices. I mean, the Bible puts it, good fruit can't be bad fruit, bad fruit can't be, you know, we have to make good choices. There are people that you know and I know, and, and maybe we've all been guilty of it. We probably all have at one time or another. That didn't make always great choices. Maybe we made a bad choice in investment, or maybe we wish we could go back and change how we raised uh, our children or ourselves or whatever. But, you know, I've seen people in, in ministry time, like they've, they say they've been in an abusive relationship. You want them to, you know, you, you think, here's the good choice, get out. And you're glad if they made that choice. But there are some that never make that choice and they just stay there. And they live defeated for the rest of their days. You might say, Pastor Brett, I'm not real sure how to make great decisions. I've made so many bad ones so long, I don't even know what a good one is. Sometimes I feel that, don't you? I just like, some people make it seem so easy, don't they? I think. There are some people, it just seems like it's just, and you might be thinking that of me, but I'm telling you, I have some bad days. There's some times I'm just like, God, you, you have got to help me. And he does. I'm going to give you a list. It's, I'm not going to preach on all of these. I'm only going to talk about one. So just take a deep breath. So if you're here like, oh, help me, Jesus. We'll be here till four. No, you won't. I'm just going to read the list. You can uh, watch this on Facebook or YouTube and if you wanted to take notes on all 12. But you really don't need all 12. I mean, you do need them. But if you do the one, it'll interlink with all 12, okay? Um, let's just hear me out. This is not a religious answer, but it's a relationship answer. So if you're sitting here going, okay, here comes the... Here comes the zinger for the, the church thing. But it all hinges on this one choice. So you need to understand, this is what I do. It's not because I have to do it. It's the choice 
that I made. We always started looking at it, so here they are. This is the daily dozen. To some, you might say it's the dirty dozen, but it's not. It's the daily dozen. Here's number one, faith. Number two, attitude. Number three, priorities. Number four, health. Number five, family. Number six, thinking, our thought life. Number seven, commitment. Number eight, finances. Nine, relationships. Ten, generosity. Eleven, values. And twelve, growth. But we're going to look at the first one. That's all I'm going to talk about today. But all of those hinge on this very one. Because if we make good choices and we are walking with God, all of those other things just seem to come into place. Things start happening. We make good choices to do what God says. How many knows the book won't mislead you? So then you're going to make great choices in your relationships. Your health is going to get better. Your finances will get better. The Bible says a lot about finances. So again, we're just going to go. So I know the last thing many of you need is another list. So let's just focus on the one, okay? Um, Here we go. This is going to help you for two good reasons. Number one, it's not an emotional decision. You're going to be, this makes, I'm not just trying to, I'm trying to get to your natural senses because that's where some of us are. You know, it has to make sense to you. So I'm trying to speak to that. I don't want it to be a heat of the moment decision. You've probably already been asked all this stuff a billion times. But I want you to know that this makes good sense. Secondly, it makes life easier. I'm all about, wouldn't you like to work smarter than harder? You know, it's like i got to cart all this dirt around by the shovel full out front. Gee, what's a wheelbarrow for? Huh. Okay, I could work smarter. And okay, God, how do I do that? Now, let me give you another example. If you're an alcoholic and you just got over that, you were clear from that, you're free from that, you're probably not going to spend a lot of times in bars. You're going to be accountable to that. That's, you're, not, you're, going to be a, you're going to make decisions to safeguard yourself, okay? So you're not going to go there. So I get it, all right? We got three kinds of people if we're going to break it down. We got people that don't know what to do. We got people that know what to do but don't do it. We got people that know what to do, and then they follow through and do it. So kind of in three ways. So I want, to, I want stuff that's going to give me peace. I'm going to get results. How many like results? I don't like doing anything without getting results. So uh, give me some results. Father, show me your kingdom. So I, I want those kind of things. And this is crazy, man. We're living in a pandemic. We've never done it before. Man, and before in, in any town, wherever you're from, if, at least from Marion, if there's going to be a big snowstorm, you go to Wally World. That's Walmart, for those of you that didn't know. You go to Walmart... What do you see at Walmart that's been ransacked if there's going to be a big storm? The bread and the milk. You go down the bread and the milk aisle, and it looks like somebody's been down there, and there ain't nothing left but, you know, like two little mice going, <laughs> And I mean, Kim and I would be like, whoa. And now you get into a pandemic, and you're just going to the store, and now you got to stay on this side of the aisle. you got to stay over here. And you just want simple things in life. Toilet paper. Kind of hard to find in the beginning. There are people that are buying that, and then they're wanting to make a dollar on that. Help me, Jesus. We won't even get into that. But all I'm saying is, you know, we're walking through this together. But people, when I share my faith, I talked to a gentleman yesterday. I was at Walmart, and I I graduated with him. It's hard for me to recognize him with his mask on, but then I realized, you know, he said something to me, so I invited him to church. Um, But he, you know, he had other plans, unless he's here somewhere, um, but I didn't see him. But this is what they do. One of six ways is how they respond when I, when I share the gospel. They ignore me. 
They don't talk about it. They just say something else, change the subject. They misunderstand what I'm saying or they misunderstand it. Uh, it's almost like they're trying to get their hand around smoke. They can't really grasp what you're saying. It's just really, you know, ducks flying overhead. They discount it. It's okay. You can talk about whatever. It's just not for me. Okay? Uh, that's, that's the response. Uh, they'll fight it. They'll give me another reason. I'll tell you why I, I got hurt in church. I got this or this happened or, you know, whatever. Okay? And I, I'm not minimizing that, but they're, they're wanting just to fight because of something they're wrong about. Whether they did it wrong or somebody else did it wrong, it's never going to be right if you don't forgive. Okay? And then, or they'll delay it. It's not really a big deal right now, Brett. I got plenty of time to worry about that. I'd rather sow my wild oats first. Or they'll explore it. They'll take what I say and they'll be like, you know, give them some thought. Well, maybe I should. Maybe I should do that. So when we have faith, and especially if we're looking at it today, it matters. The Bible's our manual. This is where God says, I got all the answers. It's right here. But I, I think the world just needs to, they finally want people to quit playing church and to see fruit. They need to see answers. So how does this work? You know, and here's the, and people get mad at it, but I'm just telling you, you know, like just this, this small group or whatever, whether I come to your house, just you and me, or you want to take the small group or you don't want to do it. I, I get it, but you want to see fruit? That's how that happens. You're going to have to put your hand to this. The Bible says he blesses the work of your hand. In heaven, guess what? Zero is zero in heaven. If you don't put your hands to anything, you won't get any blessing for doing nothing. I mean, sometimes we get blessed just because, you know, I like blessing my kids because they're my kids. I get it. But there's going to be a part in time where they're going, you know what, I'm going to learn what he did, I'm going to, and I'm going to do what I need to do. It's all good. We just have to put this in the way that God wants us to put it. We all want fruit. The Bible says that the just shall walk by faith, and that we, the believers, walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Mark tells us to believe we receive when we pray, not when it shows up. So having faith is just being in agreement with God. If God said it, I don't have to figure it out. I just have to, if that's what God said, I'm good with that. Because I know in this generation, or most of the people in here, that have been around as long as I have, I'm 60 years old. My mom and my dad, especially my mom, I would ask her questions, and you already know what I'm going to say. Mom, why is this? And she would say, because? Is that in there? But it was in mom's Bible, because I said so. Basically, that's mom saying, you don't need to know. You're on a need-to-know basis, and right now, you don't need to know. Just trust me. I get it. But we want fruit. We need to walk and see that out. Those are the things that I saw. I saw my sister changed by the power of God. Just her life changed. And it was such a difference that I, I couldn't help but ask her questions. I saw my father change. I saw my mother change. And, and I honestly, at first, I didn't like the change. I used to go over to her house because I'd go over there, and her and her husband would give me beer. Thank you. And then they got saved, and things changed. That wasn't happening anymore. But I kept watching her, and I kept seeing her change, and her whole 
everything changed. And, and Jeff was this tough motorcycle dude, man. He's one of the security guys. But it's like, you don't want to mess with Jeff. You know, he's the guy that they wrote songs about. Six foot four, what do you get another day older? And I mean, when he had the ponytail, he had the mustache, and he could look at you and stare through your soul. I went, went camping with him, and he looked at me with a glow of fire on his face and said, go get some wood. I said, I don't think so. I could just see, wink, 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 not happening. <laughs> he still laughs about it. He just brought that up to me the other day. But I saw him, his whole demeanor changed. We need to be in agreement with God. I know there's atheists that are watching me. There may be atheists in here. I don't believe in anything, Brett. I just don't believe in anything. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in anything. Atheism is the wedge under the foundation of our faith, trying to topple the relationship with Jesus Christ. When a fool said in his heart, there is no God, he rejects the truth God painted on the canvas of the night. Atheism has never created an artistic masterpiece. It's never healed a fatal disease or calmed a fear. Atheism has never still given answers to our existence or our troubled mind or even dried a tear. For it is God who created heaven and earth and God who flung the stars in space, breathed a handful of dirt and it became a man. It's God who sits in the circle of earth, measures the mountains in a scale and holds the seven seas in the palm of his hand. It's God who sent his only begotten son to the cross of Calvary to save our souls from hell and the grave. It's God who creates, God who delivers, God who heals. Come on church, let's give God God, some praise. Did you know they say that people who have faith in God are, the statistics say they only have half as many medical problems as those who don't believe. Studies show the decision to follow Christ keeps stress down, their sense of well-being up, because faith added purpose. They start finding out, you know what, I'm not here just to exist. I can't stop the pandemic, but here's something else. The devil can't stop my God. The devil can't stop the God in me. Here at TLC, we, we believe about living life on purpose. Today matters because my faith gives me strength. It gives me stamina. It gives me resilience because what I have faith in is bigger than me. Without faith in the future, there's no power in the present. When you believe in something, you have something to live for. It keeps you going, even when it's tough. Mother Teresa, we all know who she was. This is what she said. Faith keeps the person who keeps the faith. Hearts that follow God change with character. You see, the message from God isn't really just to act differently. It's to become different. Now listen to what I'm saying. Not to act honestly, but to become an honest person. Because honesty then will be the center of your core. When your core is solid, your life will be solid. You'll have peace. You see, because that's fruit. I wasn't always who I am today, and I still got a lot of work to do. But one thing she takes peace in or faith in is she watches God develop her man. And she realizes I'm not the same man years ago when we first got married and all that because Come on, I'm like everybody else. I'm on a mission. It seems like I'm, he's just taking us, doesn't he, from glory to glory. He's still working on me. I still am entertainment for heaven. I still do things. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. 
<laughs> so if you say, you know, PB, I need to, this is an important decision. So if I take this faith, where do I place it? Everybody here has faith in something. Even if you say, I have no faith in anything, then you have faith in that you have no faith. That's kind of an oxymoron, but it makes sense. We have to align our beliefs with the truth. The Bible says this is the truth. So the truth is Jesus. The Bible says this is, this is God. God wrote this. So we align ourselves with the word. How many knows this? When you're going through the valley, is that not where you learn? That's where all the stuff gets tough. You find out what you're made of. You find out, like, I, gotta, I, I need to work on this. I thought, I'd, ugh, boy. I mean, there's stuff that I'm like, oh, I'm over that. And then all of a sudden, somebody will trip your trigger. Anybody trip your trigger? I've had my trigger tricked. I can't say that fast. <laughs> I have my trigger tricked. I've, <laughs> I've gotten upset. <laughs> I've had people tell me I'm a number one driver. I want to follow them. And my wife is like, please don't. That's probably not good. But instead of viewing life issues as well as me, let's look at them as opportunities to change. Opportunities to forgive. Opportunities to, to make a difference and do something that you're not used to doing. You know, in, in our lifetime, we've had some wonderful fights. I'm, they're not, well, I take that, they're not wonderful. But we've had some good ones. Okay, that's not right. They're not good. No fight like that, you know, but some good came out of that. When you're married, you know what it's like. Sometimes you feel like, I just want to get the last word in. That's not always a good thing, is it? And sometimes... You know, I would just be like, let me just show you where you're totally wrong. <laughs> Don't elbow your spouse right now. <laughs> He's talking to you. You better be taking notes. So, okay. And I remember we were, I, I don't even remember what we were arguing about. But, you know, it was just an argument. And I remember we were in the car and we stopped the car because it's no fun to drive while people look at you. That was really before tinted windows. So we stopped the car kind of away from everybody, and so we are arguing. And I remember this. I remember the Lord speaking to my heart, and I, I just, I didn't hear him audibly or anything, but I could hear him say, you need to apologize. And so she was, you know, saying, I mean, and she was, and so, you know, my natural response was, okay. And I remember looking at her, and because what she was saying was right. You see, I was being too proud. It's not that I didn't have a point, but it really wasn't relevant, or it didn't really. Somebody needs to be a bigger spiritual and say, let's take the lead, and let's get this thing resolved. It's not that she wasn't bigger spiritual. She was, in, in this instance, she was right. Um, most instances, she's right. <laughs> 36 years. But I remember turning to her, and I said, she was like, nah, 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 what do you think about that? And I said, inside, what I wanted to say was, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I heard that voice, and I had to squelch myself 
and let God take what he wanted me to say. And I said, you're absolutely right. She went, what? I said, you're right. I have no reason to act like that, and I'm sorry. You are absolutely right. Let me just tell you, the furnace was this hot. When I did that, the furnace went... And she's like, well, okay then. <laughs> I don't know what she said, but I just the fight was over. You, you need to understand, when we follow God, we, we, we have to follow him as a relationship. I'm not, I'm not here to give you legalistic laws. This is just about, I love him. And this is what he did for me. And he did it for you. We've raised our children this way. And there's fruit to prove it. So how do you, and we're about finished here. Um, The youth are going to get ready to do their drama, so I'm going to let them begin to get ready. So to follow through is difficult. If I say, let's just live your life just like Jesus would. Lead like Jesus. That's, you know, yeah, right. And Jesus walked on the water, and, you know, how am I going to do all that? So it's easy to say. Most of the time, if we're honest, we're selfish. I don't want to live like that. I want to live like me. You know, the minute you go on a diet, that's when somebody shows up with a pizza. Or if you're going to fast. I decided I was going on a fast. Somebody showed up at our door with homemade potato soup and cheese balls. You know, little, those little ones like a cheese puff, but it's in a ball. Great in potato soup. Just thought I'd say that. And I couldn't have it. But I want you to know the truth this Easter. I want you to make a decision that you know you're making. And I'll give you some things to help manage that decision. Is that fair enough? They're going to be easy, and we're about finished. So really, it's not going to take very long. John 14, 23 through 31, Jesus said, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we'll come, uh, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. Remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends, the advocate is my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He'll teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. How many want that? Give me some peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world can't give. Don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I'm going to come back again. If you really love me, you'd be happy, and I'm going to the Father who's greater than I am. I've told you these things because before they happen so that when they do happen, you'll believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He's no power over me, but I'll do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's get going. So here's the action plan. This is going to be really quick. There's only four things. I'm going to just tell it to you. you got to have value on faith. In other words, you place value on it. I place value on my relationship with my wife. I place value on my relationship with my kids. I place value on my relationship with my church. It has meaning to me. There's value to it. There's going to be things that happen in your life that you can't even answer. The only thing that will answer is your faith. That's how much value you put in that. I don't understand all this, but I I know that I believe in something or someone, however you want to put it, but you're going to get there that is bigger than me. We just talked about him. His name is God. His son is Jesus. Secondly, give your life over to God. How's it working so far? If you're sitting here and you're saying, Brett, you know what? My life's not too bad, but it it could get better. I'm telling you, I walk with God. My life's still going to get better. 
because I'm going to continue to walk from glory to glory. Or you're saying, I'm miserable. I just put on a happy face everywhere I go. Inside, I am eaten up with fear and with this and that and worry and whatever. Today, you're going to have an opportunity to make that change. We do all this. We do all these things, and we're like, God, I just need you. You're going to have to trust him. You're going to have to just believe what, what you don't know. Listen, when I got saved, and I still don't know all the Bible, I've been saved since 1980, January 2nd, and I, I got so much to learn, but I do have trust in the one that saved me. Number three, you want to hang out with God's people, because people that are of the same faith, that know Jesus, or they have a relationship with him, then they start helping you. I can start, you know, hey, and they might have been through something that you're going through, and they're like, here's what I did. This worked for me. And as long as it lines up with the word, that'll help you. Or, hey, I'll pray for you. And number four, that's just it. Get into the book. Get into the word. I'd rather see somebody spend just a few minutes with God every day than not spend any time with him and then one day a week. Like, say, if you spent five minutes with God every day. I'd rather see you do that than miss him six days and try to do 35 minutes in one day. That's my, that's my opinion. I, I, I think you'll get more if you'll do at least five minutes a day. And you're like, Brett, I can't do five minutes. I challenge you to do two. Come on. You know what happens is you'll find out it starts working, and then two will become three. Three will become five. And it's just amazing what God does. And pre, Instead of a, a, of a chore, it becomes like, i I, I got to read my Bible today, or i got to listen to it. or They even have it now on their your phone, your smartphone, you can, it'll read to you while you're putting on your makeup if you're a girl, hopefully. Okay. Now, I'm going to introduce this, and they're not going to bring this out yet because the youth are going to come. I'll have them take this away. Um, but we're going to talk about this door right before the youth come out. Um, what I want you to understand, Revelation 3.20, it says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I'll come in. Everybody tell Devin congratulations. congratulations. Him and his lovely wife just got married, so. It was just, what, last weekend? What are you doing here, dude? I mean, no, I'm just teasing. Because <laughs> the plane to Hawaii was canceled, Sorry. Uh, uh, but anyway, the door, if you notice on that picture, we've all seen that picture of Jesus knocking on the door. I want you to pay attention because the glow of the door is the shape of the heart. That's why they call it the heart's door. But if you notice, there is no handle, there's no doorknob on that door. And it's, the artist did that on purpose because he cannot push, the, the door has to be open from the other side. That's why I want you to understand this is, well, there you go. Thank you. There is no doorknob there. It has to be open from the other side. It is your choice. Now, not, not religious. This is people like, well, I don't want, what if, is God going to change me? Well, sure he will, but it'll be good. It, it, you know, you won't have to be freaky or weird or anything. This is just about, I just love God. Some of you have known me most all your life. And I was ornery. I was the class clown in my class. I'm still ornery. But he'll take my orneriness and use it. He's doing it today. So when the door comes up, we're going to set it here. And then I'm going to give an, uh, um, an altar call. Um, and then we're going to receive communion. And then I'll give you an opportunity when service is over to walk through the door. If you're a believer, still walk through the door. And then you can sign it. 
Sign the year you got saved. You know, you'll see my name on there. It's uh, somewhere on the, it's on the other side. It says PB, uh, you know, 1280. That's when I got saved, 1980. And if you're like, I don't remember the year, then just put your name. Put a generality, the 90s or whatever. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. Just, you know, and this is going to be part of our furniture here at the church so that you can see, man, I walked through the door. I made the choice. Is there any magic? No. It's just symbolizing I'm making a choice today because it matters. Now, if your life has been hell, Jesus can help you. That's what he's here for. And here's the thing. In all of this stuff, I'm not ashamed. Isn't it time we just stood up and said, isn't what the world needs somebody to stand up for Jesus and say, you know what? He is, he is Lord. So you do that today. I'll give you the opportunity to do it. We're going to receive communion. And, uh, but right now we're going to watch the youth do this drama. Let it minister to you, and we'll finish this service up. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wind 